chapter 17. You can follow along in your Bible or you can use the outline that has been given to you there. And so either way, let's follow along this morning as we uh, kick off this year with the theme and the title of the message this morning is The Cause of Christ. And this is something that we want to look at in the life of David. And uh, notice in chapter 17, beginning in verse number 24, the Bible says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter and make him his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard, when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why, uh, why ha camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again, after the former manner. Let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning for the word of God. I pray that you'd bless this new vision that you've given to us as a church. Lord, may we not wait for a month or maybe six months of this year to go by to, to accept what God you have put before us. May today we embrace it. Lord, may you help us every day of our lives to live for the cause of of Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. When you look at the passage before you this morning, certainly as you study before this passage and after, these were dark days in Israel. They were times when the king at this time, who was Saul, that God allowed to be the king of Israel, he was a man that was in control of the nation, but he was a man that had progressively pursued the path of apostasy. In other words, instead of going toward God, Saul was actually heading away from God. And as he was put in a position of leadership, everyone else that was with him was following his lead. That's what people often do, is they'll follow a leader. Even if they're like Saul, they are rebellious. And it's sad that the Bible records that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. I never want to get to that place in my life where God's Holy Spirit has left me, has departed me, because, listen, the Bible tells us that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. When we go somewhere that does not please God, then certainly God does not feel welcome there. And the Spirit of God had departed from Saul, and God was allowing, because of Saul's rebellion and because of Saul's disobedience, God was allowing this people known as the Philistines, this heathen people to go deeper and deeper into the territory of the nation of Israel. I think we have a map here, our little visualization 
and uh, we had the joy of standing in this particular valley, or we stood on the hillside of what is known as the Valley of Elah. And as you see there on that particular, you can notice there from this, this vantage point that this was taken from a place called Azatek, that on the right-hand side, my right, your left, you have where you can see in the distance there where the host of the Philistines or the Philistine camp was. And then if you notice on the left-hand side, your right, that is where it says Saul's camp. That's where the children of Israel, the army of Israel was encamped. And notice that you have a valley in between. And it says right there for people who are from God's country, that says Crick. For those of you that are not God's country people, it's Creek, all right? And so that, this is the brook that David actually walked down to and took a stone from that brook. And, of course, we know he put it in the sling and he, he defeated the giant. This was the valley where that took place. We had the joy of standing there looking over that valley, just thinking about what was going on in the, in the mind and the heart of David. And, of course, we know as we study in the heart of the army of the host of Israel, including Saul. Now, the people, I believe, that were there and what was going on, this scene with this giant of a man, was something that the Bible teaches us that we will reap what we sow. And I believe the people of God were reaping the consequences of not having carried out the Lord's wishes of ridding this land that they were going to go into of all these pagan people, all these people who did not believe in the true God. And so this takes place, the scene this morning in the passage in 1 Samuel 17, in this valley of Elah, which was about 14 or 15 miles southwest of the town known as Bethlehem. It takes place where the armies of Israel, as you see, and the armies of the Philistines are facing each other between this valley. They're on the two mountainsides, and Israel, for whatever reason, maybe because of the stature of this man, Israel as an army, as a mighty army, is cowering in the shadow of the Philistine forces. And it's to this scene that David arrives. David was tending the sheep of his father. David was doing his father's business, which, by the way, reminds me of Jesus Christ, who said, I came to do the will of him that sent me. And when David actually says that phrase in verse 29, is there not a cause? The word cause can actually be translated business. In other words, isn't there a business? Isn't there something that we should be doing? Isn't there something that should motivate us when this loud mouth is defying our God? And David comes on this scene, and as he comes there, he cannot believe that Israel, as God's people, as this mighty army, are standing there listening to the insults of Goliath. David is listening, and, and King Saul even makes this great offer. I mean, I don't know what Saul's daughter looked like. But if she wasn't a looker, no wonder nobody was moving, you know? But nonetheless, he says, look, I'll tell you what, I, the man that kills this giant, I'm going to give him my daughter. And so even with that great reward that he offers, David was confounded because of the fearfulness of God's people. Well, one of his brothers, the oldest, Eliab, he sees David come. Now remember, David was there, he was running an errand for his father. 
When he comes on the scene, Eliab starts to ridicule him, begins to accuse him of laziness, pride, and naughtiness. Kind of interesting, the words and the character uh, traits that he chose for David when the Bible doesn't describe David like that at all. But you know how it is, older brothers, younger brothers, right? And some of you probably have a younger brother, and so maybe you look at him the same way they looked at David. But David was asked when he comes on the scene, what ha David says, look, what have I done? Why am I being treated this way? I don't understand. I don't deserve this. I mean, after all, didn't I come bringing bread? Didn't I come bringing cheese? I mean, everybody loves cheese, right? David says, I brought you corn. In other words, you're out here and you probably didn't have uh, what you needed to sustain you physically. And instead of saying, hey, listen, thank you, David, for being a blessing. Thank you for being, bringing provisions to us. David is treated poorly by his brothers. Now, the one thing I find out as I study the passage is this, that despite David's brothers, David loved the God of Israel. And David loved everything about the God of Israel. And the one thing it didn't take David long to figure out is he did not like this Philistine dog. He didn't like this man that was defying God's people and ultimately defying his God. David comes on the scene and David begins to think about this. And as I was thinking about the, the army of Israel, I think about many churches today that are just like the army of Israel. Uh, they're gridlocked, they're going nowhere, they're stagnant, uh, they, they have plateaued, uh, somehow they, they're, they're, they become passive, they're timid. Instead of uh, thinking about, listen, God is still on the throne, they're more concerned about, listen, I think we just need to hold on till the Lord comes back. God's never told us that that's what he wants us to do. He tells us that he wants us to be pressing toward the mark. Instead of bemoaning the decay of this world system that we live in, much like what David saw when he got there, then the Word of God admonishes us in Philippians chapter 2. Look at these words. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. The question that I want to ask this morning is this, how much do you love the Lord this morning? I mean, if we're going to live for the cause of Christ, how much do you love Him today? How much does he, His love drive your life today? Because when I think of our life and this day that God's given us to be a part of His church, I'm going to tell you that as I think about the passage we, as God's church in 2019, we have been called to a conflict and a form of worship far superior to Goliath and anything you find in the Old Testament in your Bible. So I, when I look at this this morning, I'm reminded, first of all, that there is a cause. There is a purpose. There's a reason, a motive that we are here. Most people live their lives with no cause. In other words, empty and void of any purpose in life. They're wandering around aimlessly. Now, there are some that do live for some causes at best, but most of those causes are nothing but vanity. I mean, I, I've seen people on the news and read about certain things where people spend their entire life, everything they do, expend all their energy for the spotted owl. Now, I'm not against the spotted owl, but I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ did not die 
for spotted owls. Some people will give their entire life for world peace. And again, I'm not against world peace. I'll tell you what I am for is I'm for the Prince of Peace. Uh, the world wants to give their life to things like universal literacy. And again, don't get me wrong. I think we need to be a literate world. But people will expend all these energies for all kinds of causes. When Solomon said it like this, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, he says, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. In other words, it's all empty. If you're going to live your life for one of those things, it, what is it going to amount to? What is it going to matter in eternity? Now, I see people living, and I've read historically how the Japanese kamikaze pilots, they're willing to give their lives to die for an emperor. And I read about Muslim terrorists who would blow themselves up for the moon god of the Arabians. And I read about, and I know this personally, how priests and nuns will take vows of celibacy and poverty and live their lives for the lies of the Roman church, how much more than, listen, if people are willing to do that, how much more should we as God's people be willing to live our lives for the cause of Christ? I think about three Hebrew boys in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel where the king Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury he commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said and spake unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbolt, uh, 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 psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not. Ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Hey, listen, I'm glad for somebody that has a backbone that will live for the cause of Christ, even in the face of adversity. And we've got to decide, is there a cause or is there not a cause? David was a man that was zealous for the cause of the word of God. He, look at Psalm 119, verse 139. He says, my zeal hath consumed me. Because mine enemies have forgotten thy words. I can't think of a greater cause. People say, Pastor, why didn't you pick this for the theme this year? And why didn't you pick this for the theme this year? And what, what about this theme for this year? My simple answer to that is because that's not what God wanted. But my real answer is I can't think of a better reason to spend 2019 than to live it for the cause of Christ. And as I think about this, the greatest cause that should grip us should be the Lord Jesus himself. The Bible describes him through the prophet Isaiah. Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. You say, wait a minute, pastor, isn't that a Christmas verse? Are you kidding me? That's not a Christmas verse. That's a verse for every day for this world that we live in because the Bible says 
that the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and the peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Hey, listen, how many of you know God is going to bring that to pass? There's a cause to live for. Paul wrote this to the Galatians. He says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he's saying there? He says, I can't think of a better reason to live my life than for the cause of Christ. You see this, listen, as we go into 2019 this year, I'm going to tell you as a Christian, we need to understand that there is a cause. But then notice secondly this morning, there's not only a cause, but there's a cost. Listen, when you talk about a cost, I mean, automatically some people say, wait a minute, you just lost me there, preacher. If it's going to cost something, I don't have any money. I'm not interested. I don't want to pay. But see, somebody that understands that there is a cause, they are willing to pay the price. And when we live for the Lord, there will be a cost. Jesus requires a commitment to the highest possible cost. Somebody said, authentic discipleship may exact from you the highest price relationally and the highest price physically. They say, where do you get that from, Pastor? Well, Jesus talked about that himself. When he talked about the relationships that it might cost us, and he talked about this matter of the price that it might even cost us physically. Look in Luke 14. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sister. By the way, let me stop here and say, when you study the Bible and you read the Bible, the Bible says what it says and it means what it means. But oftentimes we try to put our own spin or we're thinking in today's vernacular instead of what the Bible has to say or what, what God intended. So when you see the word hate there, understand it's not what you are thinking right now. Because God would never tell us as we think about hate to hate our father and mother. But let's read on and see what he's really talking about. Look at it. If any man come to me, and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life. Interesting, he included that in the list. He cannot be my disciple. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether ye have sufficient, or he has sufficient to finish it? In other words, there is no cost that you or I can pay in following Jesus that won't be made up and hundredfold, not only now, but in the life to come, in the resurrection. Look at Matthew 29. Everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Can I, can I share with you something that, that I was reminded of as I was spending some time this week with the Lord? Uh, a statement, you may not like the man, but nonetheless, it's a statement that the late John F. Kennedy made. And here's what he said. He says, he says and so my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, but what 
you can do for your country. Can I take that and put a spin on it? Listen, what can you do for the Lord this year? Because, folks, there is a cause. And there is a cost involved. And the question is, are you willing to do the cause of Christ this year? Are you willing to live for the cause of Christ? Because as we understand the cause of Christ and that there is a cost, the whole reason that God put this on my heart is because thirdly, we need to understand that there is a Christ. You see, without the Lord, where would we be? I know where I would be. I would be heading straight for hell. But see, God has given us the promise and the privilege of his son. And when Jesus came and he gave us new life, Jesus never promised us, he never promised you or me that our life would be a rose garden. You study the life of Christ, Jesus suffered while he was on this earth. He was ridiculed, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was crucified. And listen, our sufferings in this life they will never be compared to what Jesus went through for us. God has provided everything for us. And he has done that at his own expense. You and I, we can't bring anything to the Lord this morning. We can't do anything to, to deserve an invitation. God has provided it all by his free grace. For by grace are you saved. Through faith and that not of yourselves. Listen, faith in what? Not faith in a church, not faith in a creed, faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ for the cause of Christ. I love the songwriter said, I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him. I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. You know, when I think about this matter of the cause of Christ, believing Jesus paid it all, it is the very foundation of Christianity. Believing that Jesus has paid the price, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Folks, there is a Christ. That whosoever believeth in him 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. When David stood in that valley, it was dark days in Israel. And if you've got your spiritual eyes open today, I think you would agree with me that these are dark days in our world today. Sin is abounding, but I'm glad that grace doth that much more abound. God's grace is available today. Do we passionately love the Lord the way that we used to? Or are we in our lives just kind of going through the motions? Have we, have we become like that army of Israel just kind of standing there waiting for something to happen? Do we need to get rid of things in our lives that have caused us to become complacent, lethargic, apathetic. Maybe we're like Saul and the host of Israel. Are we preoccupied with temporal things, earthly things? Are we just kind of hanging around waiting for heaven someday? Have we become numb and desensitized? to spiritual things, because of the pressures of life, the pressures of this world. The question this morning is, do you have a yearning, a burning in your heart, a passion, a desire to see the lost saved, to see somebody being discipled, to see the church thriving again, to see the plan of God being fulfilled on this earth? Let's be like Paul admonished Timothy. Paul said, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Paul says that that gift that God's given, his grace, he said, let's stoke that fire again. God's given us a purpose, a direction to rekindle the embers and to fan the flame and to keep the fire burning in our lives, to live for the cause of Christ. Scotland's leading reformer, many years ago, he once knelt in a garden to pray. He was overheard by another person as he cried out these words, God, give me Scotland or I die. He declared the gospel with boldness and his nation was changed. When John Knox died, the king of Scotland said these words, here lies a man that never feared the faces of men. A.W. Tozer said, Come near to the holy men and women of the past, and you will soon feel the heart of their desire after God. They mourned for Him. They prayed and wrestled and sought for Him day and night, in season and out. And when they found Him, the finding was all the sweeter for the long-seeking. Jesus said, if you lose your life for my cause, he says, you'll find it. But he says, if you try to save your life, he says, you'll lose it. David on the battlefield, amazingly, listen, there was a cause. David didn't stand there like the army of Israel and just say, oh, well. No, as a matter of fact, what David did was he ran towards it. God gave him the opportunity, the strength, the courage David retrieved one of those stones out of his pouch and David slung that sling and that stone went straight to the mark. That missile found its destination and that giant fell that day. 
David approached that massive body. Read the Bible. David pulled the, the giant's sword out of the sheath. He never even had a chance to unsheathe it. David took that sword and he took the head off that giant. David said the words before he ever went down there. He says, is there not a cause? Isn't there a reason to take a stand? Isn't there a God in heaven? David said that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. I think about what David did that day. Would God give us some Davids today that would approach the giants of our day, that would stand in the face of the enemy, that would understand their responsibility to act because of what's at stake. Lives are hanging in the balance. Folks, listen, this is not a game. It's a battle. And let's be like David and have a desire to do something, to see the need that people have in their lives, what they're facing. Let's choose to get involved. Why? Because there's a cause. I'm excited about the future, the days ahead, not just for me and my family, but for the church of the living God. There is a cause. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'll ask you if you would just sit still for a moment. Three simple questions this morning. The first question is this, do you know the Christ? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you had a time in your life that you've come to trust the one who gave his life for you? Not a better way to start the new year than to put your faith in Christ. Would you trust Him today? The second question is this. If you have trusted Christ, are you willing to pay the cost? Whatever God asks of you, are you willing to pay that cost? You say, well, I'll lose. Remember what Jesus said? If you do it for His sake, you'll find it. And the third question is this, will you choose to live for the cause of Christ this year? Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed, our eyes closed this morning. If you're here today and you do not know Christ as your Savior, God sent His Son so that you could have eternal life. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why don't you come this morning? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you have somebody sitting next to you that maybe has been at our church, why don't you just say, would you go with me? Why don't you come this morning and put your faith in Jesus? If you are saved this morning, are you willing this year because you have to be willing to pay the cost. You will, I know what you're thinking. What's it going to cost me? That's why the Bible says the, the just shall live by faith. You have to say, God, I'm willing before he's going to show you what it's going to cost. But are you willing to pay the cost? And the last question is this. Will you live your life today, this year, and the rest of your life for the cause of Christ. The altar's open this morning.
that God's spoken to you this morning in the message, why don't you come? Why don't you do business with the Lord? It's 2019. God's given you a new opportunity, a new lease on life. He's given us purpose. Maybe for some today, it's been a renewed vision. Maybe for some, it's been a vision. God has shown me what He wants me to do. And I hope there's a host of you today that would just say this to God, I don't know what it is that you would want me to do, but I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. That's a place of total surrender. And that's where all of us need to be. And if you would come this morning and put yourself on the altar. God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, but make sure that if you come and you say that to God, that you're willing to keep that vow to God. Because God wants you to keep every promise that you've made to Him. And here's why. Because He kept every promise He's ever made to you. We have a faithful God. And that day when David stood, it's still to this day, after being saved for 34 years, it still encourages me that this passage was not about David. And it was not about Goliath. It was about David's God. And after that day ended, all Israel and all the Philistines and everyone within any distance knew that there is a God. And not just in Israel, but everywhere in this world. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you ask God to do business with you right where you are. If you need to be saved, let us help you today.